If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome to Short Sport. Oh, my God, I keep messing up the fucking name. That was my old show in high school. All right. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with Mark Papaleo and Jacob Kelly. Yes, there are two Jacobs on this podcast. Jacob is uh, taking over for me at FAU Owl Radio as the sports director. Uh, I have graduated from FAU, still repping, though. Uh, this isn't going on YouTube, but uh, FAU hoodie, still wearing that. Got to show pride. And, of course, Mark's here. Mark, we haven't done uh, pods in forever, but we're finally back and we're getting into these. But uh, how have you been uh, in the last few months? I've been good. Just uh, working, getting through this recent surge of the pandemic, getting through the holiday season. Uh, a couple family family members ended up getting COVID. Everyone's good. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, just, you know, going through life, enjoying some sports, enjoying some seven-game win streaks, just get my heart ripped out a week later. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess I'm all right. What about you, Jacob? How you doing? Uh, I mean, I can concur almost wholeheartedly with what he just said. I had a great time being a Dolphins fan for all of about two months, and then it got immediately taken away from me in a three-hour period. And now I've completely changed a lot of opinions on, on the Dolphins. But otherwise, uh, my time time off's been great. And uh, Jacob, I like to thank you again for the opportunity you've given me, uh, handing the keys off of the the FAU sports radio job that I'm going to be starting in, uh, in a couple, in a couple of days, actually, really, if this semester is about to start. So I just like to start this off. by thank you again for that. No, of course, man, you absolutely deserve it. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens over there at owl radio. So let's go into these AFC playoff situations. So I hate to break it to you, but the Miami dolphins have been eliminated from uh, NFL playoff contention. Just wanted to make that clear uh, before we went into the, uh, the AFC standings. So right now we have Tennessee at one, then Kansas City, then Cincinnati, Buffalo at four, New England at five, Indianapolis at six. And then right now, the seventh seed, unless it ends in a tie, we've seen this wacky thing where if it ends in a tie, it could be a weird situation. But it looks to be a winner go home Sunday night football in Vegas, Chargers Raiders on Sunday night to decide that final seed. So I guess we should just start with that game. Sunday night football in Vegas. Raiders just beat the Colts. Wentz played, too. It wasn't, you know, everyone thought Wentz wasn't going to play. He got diagnosed with COVID. He's unvaxxed. Everyone freaked out. Meanwhile, he ends up playing, and they lost by a field goal. I went into that game, I think, a few weeks ago. I said on my final Owl radio show that that would be a trap game for the Colts. I said, I think they're going to win the rest of their games, but I saw that Raider game. I'm like, that could be a trap because the Raiders are always one week they're here, you know, up at the top. The, the next week they could be in shambles. And right now they're in one of those spots where I'm kind of just on a vibe with the, with the Raiders where it's like Derek Carr is playing good enough. He's overcome so many things this year as he has his entire career, bad ownership this year, the coaching drama, the Henry Ruggs drama, they have had injuries on top of that. Darren Waller basically hasn't even been a player for them this season. Josh Jacobs has missed games. Kenyon Drake's on the IR this team. They've gone through a lot and now if they win this game, and even if they lose the game, they'll be over 500 at 9-8, and eight, 
Derek Carr, always an underrated guy. I actually think they're going to win this game Sunday night football, especially because the Chargers defense over the last few weeks, they've been getting up 23 plus points a game on defense ever since they started out the year really structured, really solid uh, when they got off hot. So how do you guys think this game will go? We'll start with Mark. Uh, I think it's going to be, it really could be a toss up, you know, we watch these teams play year in and year out and it's really always close games. Um, it's really going to come down to can Justin Herbert, you know, kind of will his team because we've seen, we've seen him like, you know, sometimes they come, he comes out and he lays eggs, you know, you can't come out there and lay an egg with a playoff spot on the line. Uh, I think he'll actually step up. I think the Raiders have been playing really well as of late. Uh, they had a, really choppy start for the year and a really bad middle of the season. But I mean, I think, I think the chart, I, I got to take the better team here just on paper. It's the chart because it's really just a toss up. So I think the chargers come out there. I think they're able to set up a game plan to get their car to maybe make one or two mistakes, maybe miss a couple throws, throw an interception or two. But I think the chargers go out there and they take what's theirs. And uh, that's really it. No, that's a, that's a fair point too. Cause the chargers do have the better roster and that's always been the thing with them, which is why, it's so annoying that they're even in this spot every single year you go into these seasons. Everyone says the chargers have one of the best rosters in the NFL. One of the most complete rosters. They've got offensive line. They've got running backs, receivers. You got Derwin James, Bosa, multiple guys on defense that can make plays. And yet every year they either miss the playoffs by just a little bit, or they get in and they lose in the first round. And it seems like even if they beat the Raiders, it's going to be a similar type of situation uh, but what do you think uh, about this game, Jacob? If the Raiders win this game and make it into the playoffs, they will have absolutely earned it. I don't know if any team in NFL history has had to deal with what the Raiders have dealt with this year. Your star wide receiver goes down, gets arrested. He's, his NFL career is done. His coach gets fired through scandals. And the amount of players afterwards that have had multiple, like had DUIs, gun charges, there's been, been so much chaos around this team. And Derek Carr, I mean, I got to take my hat off to the, the leadership abilities that he has. Uh, I've been somebody who's defended him over the years. And the you know, last half of the season, his game definitely dropped off from what we saw earlier in the earlier in the year where he was MVP candidate. The Raiders were first place in their division. Uh, so the, the ability to stay the ship that he has done is, is just incredible. And I have a lot of respect for him. However, that Chargers offense uh, going against a, a Raiders defense, which is not one of the best in the league by any means, uh, we saw what happened last week with the Chargers going against the Broncos. Broncos do have a pretty strong defense and a defensive-minded head coach. And Justin Herbert and the Chargers were able to walk all over them. Uh, I do expect a, a similar game. I do expect the Chargers to, to handle this game handily. And uh, two second-year quarterbacks, Joe, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, making their first playoff appearances in both teams with some really hot offenses that if they catch fire, they can be anybody on any, any given Sunday. And that's going to pose a very entertaining AFC playoff picture with all the matchups with some hugely entertaining teams and also some, some differences in them. You see the Patriots and the Colts, they have great defenses. They don't like to push the ball downfield with their quarterbacks. And then you got, you got the, the Chiefs, you got the Bengals, you got the Chargers here that offer so much on offense. So I hope to see the Chargers in them. Maybe you really, it would just be a travesty if they were to lose this game and miss out on the playoffs. Yeah, it really would. And and this AFC, like you were just saying, it's got so much star power in it. A lot of people like to say the best teams are in the NFC. You look at the AFC, some of the best offensive weapons are in the AFC. And Derrick Henry, I don't know if he's playing this week because they're playing Houston. Why waste the 
the game on him, but he was designated to return. Um, so we'll see what happens. Derrick Henry looks like he's going to play in that first round. But then you've got Joe freaking Burrow, man. I mean, this guy, two weeks in a row, has lit the world on fire. Last week, he played out of his mind. The week before, 500-plus passing yards. And this Cincinnati team, do we think they can win a playoff game or multiple? I mean, if they if they hit the hit their hit their stride and get going, that offense has put together an incredible show these last couple of weeks, two weeks in a row. Now, Joe Burrow's put up a combined nearly 1,000 yards passing, and he just went out and beat, in many people's opinion, the best team in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs. He did it at home, and you know how how much are the Chiefs still fighting because you know they have that division locked up. They still could get the number one seed, but you you can't take any disrespect, you can't uh, take any respect away from the the Bengals. And they're going to have that home playoff game. They're going to be playing against either the the Patriots, the Colts, or the Chargers. So none of those. And three I think teams they could beat all three of those up. teams. Yeah. It, it they, they they could be any three of those teams. However, they did get blown out by the Chargers earlier this year. The 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 Patriots are just known for being able to handle second year quarterbacks, and then the yep. Colts, my opinion, are, are one of the most underrated teams in the league. So yep. it'll be difficult, but absolutely they can be any of those three teams. Yeah, I mean, since uh, the Colts yeah. started 0-4, they're 10-3. and So th- this is a great team. Yeah, yeah, the Colts are nice. Uh, Jonathan Taylor really, you know, coming into form with that offensive line. And if Carson Wentz can make a couple big throws in games to where they, you know, they need to win in the playoffs, I mean, I think they can go as far as, you know, Jonathan Taylor can really take them. But, um, no, nah, but I agree with the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals could probably make a lot of noise in this AFC playoff picture, uh, depending on who they see, like you guys said. Uh, if they win a first game, um, they're going to, they run into new England, you know, they could get out coached, uh, just like they could with Frank, uh, Frank Reich, Frank Reich could definitely out coach, you know, someone as young as Zach Taylor. We don't, we don't, we don't really know. We haven't seen, uh, Zach Taylor in the playoffs yet. So, um, other than that, their talent is top notch. They really, you know, they have the best receiving core in the league, in my opinion, they're just really young. So, I mean, I mean, they could definitely win a couple games. They could win one game and they definitely lose. They could lose. They really, really don't know about them because you know their youth and their coaching situation. But they can really make some noise if they uh, get a couple of things rolling for them. So inevitably, though, do we think it's going to be the Chiefs that come out of the AFC? I think yeah. so. If they can get if they can get their offense to 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 work together like it has been, because we've seen over the season that something isn't quite right, and we've been saying that all year long. Earlier in the year, it was the defense that was just allowing you know eight yards of play at certain uh, at certain moments however recently the offense has definitely looked <clears throat> a lot weaker Tyreek Hill hasn't been getting the the yards he's been uh, been used to Travis Kelsey in the second half of the season has been used as, he, as he's used to and Joe Burrow had nearly twice as many yards Jamar Chase had more receiving yards last week than Patrick Mahomes had passing yards so there's definitely something wrong with the Chiefs however the experience they have the firepower that they have it'd be really hard to try to say they're underdogs in any team they'd be playing against yeah, I agree. But uh, I meant to I meant to lead the show off with this, uh, but my mind went elsewhere. Antonio Brown, man, th- this stuff is just this morning. Uh, we're, we're recording this on January 6th, the Thursday morning, uh, at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So possibly by the time this is uploaded, there could be even more stuff. But uh, yeah, three o'clock, January 6th. This is the update. So basically, th- so I think most people already know you've seen all over the place, took his uniform off at the New York Jets game, scuffle on the sidelines, does some jumping jacks off the field, made me laugh. I mean, it was, it was, 
one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Definitely not classy, not professional, anything like that. I was laughing though. I thought I found it pretty funny, uh, but we've heard some conflicting stories. So on one side, we have Antonio Brown saying I was hurt. My ankle was bummed up. Uh, I, I told coach before the game that it was swelling up. I could do anything I needed to play, blah, blah, blah. Goes into the game, hurts again. And Bruce says, if you don't want to play, get out. And, and that resulted in Antonio Brown. That's his side of the story. But as we know, Antonio Brown's a bit of a wacky guy. And you kind of have to hear the story from other sides, too. Uh, and what we've heard today is, uh, and he actually went on two different media outlets, his cab driver after the game alleges that Antonio Brown's real problem was that he wasn't getting the touches and the yards that he's used to getting. And that's why he stormed off the field and left. And he's using this ankle situation as the, you know, oh, this is why I did everything that I did. I'm going to make Bruce Arians look like the bad guy. I'm going to make it look like he made me play while I was injured. Lo and behold, his cab driver comes out, says, no, dude, you just wanted your catches. Stop talking. So now the Bucks have officially released him. Who knows if Antonio Brown's going to go after them afterwards? Kind of feels like he's kind of like lawyer talking kind of in a way by saying you made me play while I was hurt. I feel like he'll lose that case. But all in all, dude, Antonio Brown's a wacky guy. Yeah, I mean, who who's out here listening to Antonio Brown and what he has to say, like his side of the story? Like that guy has been – he's been a circus, you know, ever since, you know, his last year in Pittsburgh. I mean, even before then, he's at, like, we got to give massive credit to Mike Tomlin for keeping that locker room in check with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and a young Juju. But, um, I mean, can, does, was Bruce Arians really knowing – if Antonio Brown really, really is hurt, and, you know, Bruce Arians knows that. He's not making him go out there playing against the New York Jets, you know, in a meaningless game almost, other than seeding. But, honestly, if you can – I can go line up a receiver for the – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and beat the New York Jets. I don't think Antonio Brown was needing that game. So if he wants to say, you know, I'm injured, Bruce Arians making me go out there, I think it's a, a bunch of BS because, you know, if you're injured, why would you throw him out your biggest weapon really out there, which he really is. Him and Mike Evans and Gronk are huge weapons. But a- Antonio Brown probably the most versatile. And, you know, why would you throw him out there and possibly risk more injury against the New York Jets for a meaningless win? doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and the the story of Antonio Brown's career, I mean, we're going to need a documentary or something about it at some point because this man for five years or so was easily the best wide receiver in football, a surefire Hall of Famer by the end of his career. And then something changed. Something changed in his mind. I'm not sure if it was the Bonsai's perfect hit. I'm not sure if this is just who he always was internally. And then the money finally started to pull it out of him. But man, this is a guy that just a little part of me does feel sad for. Like, you know, it's it's sad to see a star fall from from grace like he has. However, he's had so many opportunities to steady this ship. And last year, you know, he was a good soldier for the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, lived with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I guess, got in his ear and got him to just control himself for at the very least a year. And that got him a Super Bowl. That got him, you know, he's got he's like I said, at one point, one of the best receivers in the league. And he finally got that Super Bowl to add on top of that. And now with this incident that just came out, man, I I I got I got to side mostly with the team. You're not like you just said, Mark. You're not throwing him out there for a meaningless meaningless game if his injury is that bad. And we saw him running routes. We saw him just absolutely cook the Jets' corner on that one route on that one comeback route. He looked all right, and I mean, he didn't look like he was hobbling off the field when he was running off. He looked pretty happy to do it. So uh, he's had so many opportunities, 
And uh, it's just unfortunate to see him go like the way he has. And just I, if it is something that's that's out of his control in his head, you just hope he gets help and you hope he gets the right people around him. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and man, if he was injured, why would he be doing jumping jacks and jogging off the feet? He didn't yeah. get injured. So, I mean, I don't know what that's all about. We'll see. Because he's alleging, too, that it was a bad ankle injury to where something could have torn and he's out for months. Why would you be jogging off the field? I, you know, so he's a wacky guy. Uh, I would say, though, my highlight for him was uh, during the uh, hard knocks when he came in on the hot air balloon. Uh, that that was, uh, to me at least, the highlight of A.B. Uh, for his career. But uh, we move on to this NFC uh, playoff picture here. So we have projected playoff matchups right now. Right now, you'd have the Packers at the bye. Then you'd have Eagles at Rams, 49ers at Bucks, and then Cardinals at Cowboys. But this isn't necessarily secure uh, because if you look at the playoff standings, I'm pulling them up right here. Uh, New Orleans and Philadelphia, this is an interesting case. I think Philadelphia could potentially lose their final game and you could see New Orleans jump in. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. But if you look at Philadelphia, who are they playing again? Well, Philly, Philly's already clinched the playoff spot. Oh, so yeah. that is totally my bad. It yeah. was between, uh, okay, yeah. So my bad then. Yeah, so the seven are in. Not possible for the New Orleans Saints, but the 49 the 49ers is the one team that could drop out of that that's what it was. Okay. picture. And they have a legitimate shot at dropping out because they have to go out and play the Rams. And if they lose that game and the Falcons, yep. uh, the Fal- or the the uh who am I thinking? the Saints beat the Falcons, that puts the Saints in the playoffs. Yeah, that's like, what I was trying though, to think about. Yeah. Even though Shanahan kind of owns the Rams, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I would like to see, I would like to see. I'd honestly rather see the 49ers in the playoffs because I think they play a hell of a good game of football. So I, I, don't, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't want the uh, the Saints going in there with Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon. I, you know, we, we don't want that. But this is a road game, too, for San Francisco. But at the same time, do the Rams just say we're not going to play our starters? But then you're, you're risking, if you're the Rams, falling to the three seed and letting Tampa hop over you. So there is that potential if you do sit your starters. But – would LA be fine with maybe falling into Tampa's spot if it meant that they played someone else? I mean, that that could be a situation. Maybe the Rams are saying we'd rather slip into that three and play someone else. Or do you think the Rams are going to go full throttle, try to win this game? Well, not only could they fall into Tampa's spot, they could actually fall into the wild card. They still have yet to been able to clinch that division. And the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks on Sunday. And we all know the struggles that Seattle has had over the year. They had a good game last week. However, that isn't a representation of their season as a whole. So Arizona's looking to win that game. So Los Angeles has to come in full force. They don't want to have to go on the road uh, and and play every single uh, playoff game on the road like Tampa Bay had to do last year. It worked for Tampa Bay. However, it's not something you genuinely want to do. So the the 49ers are probably going to get the Rams' best shot. And it could be a situation where you see, like, what happened with uh, Miami last year, where the t- you're playing a, you're playing a division rival, and they have no reason to go easy on you, even if they intend to pull their starters at a certain point once the game is out of hand. That means the game's out of hand at that certain point. So it's 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 definitely a genuine concern. And I, like you just said, Jacob, I would not want to see the Saints in the playoffs right now. If they're in it, you know what? Fair play, they deserve it. But they've had four different quarterbacks this year. Taysom Hill is not going to be a franchise guy going forward. In fact, uh, we might get to this later. The Saints are a team that I could potentially see trade for Tua if the Dolphins were to move off of him. However, the Saints, not an entertaining team. Meanwhile, the 49ers have, you know, have, have those stars. They have Bosa, they have Kittle, they have Samuel. So I'd much rather see the 49ers get into the playoffs than the Saints. And from what I understand, it's Trey Lance this weekend too. So that this is a big opportunity 
uh, for yeah. him. You know, Jimmy G, That I said at the beginning of the season, if I were the 49ers, I would have given Jimmy G the first six and then rode Trey Lance out for the rest of the way. Uh, or I should say, I said, give Jimmy G the first six games, see what he can do. If you're around 500, move off. They didn't end up doing that. But Lance has been given his opportunities because of Jimmy G's injuries throughout this year. Uh, I, I think, obviously, they're going to move off them. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of those teams looking for a, for a quarterback would take a Jimmy G or something like that. But if Trey Lance could beat the Rams on the road and make the playoffs for this team, there is 0% chance that Jimmy G is returning and they're paying him that salary next year. There's no shot. Uh, so that, that'll be an interesting storyline to follow on Sunday. So uh, let's transition into this Major League Baseball lockout because this is the one thing that's been on my mind since it started. We're over a month into it. December 1st was the day that this started. That's after that entire free agent flurry where everyone, hey, this is the first time baseball's ever had a deadline for free agency, and you saw it was movement, signings, trades, all this stuff. December 1st hits, lockout starts, and since then, according to Jeff Passan at ESPN, the two sides haven't even talked. Uh, and now you're in a, in a situation where if you don't even start conversations or get a deal done in the next two or three weeks, they're going to shorten the season because these players, just like in the 2020 season, they need about three or four weeks to ramp their bodies up in preparation for spring training. You can't just say on February 10th that you're going to go with the normal spring training on February 26th. So this, this needs to get done in two or three weeks or we're not going to see spring training start on time. It's kind of a bummer situation, but that it looks like we're headed that way. And for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not on either side. I mean, I look at the players and they act like they're in some horrible situation. They act like they're in the, they're, they're coal miners from the 1970s acting for labor rights. For Christ's sake, Max Scherzer signed a $43 million AAV contract a few days before this lockout started. I don't want to hear anything about these players talking about their player rights. Oh, I have to wait, you know, six years of the service. Now, will I admit that the service time rule is a little bit BS? Yeah, it is. I don't think players should have to wait six years fully into major league service time, especially when you have the situations where, oh, you're a player with four options where, well, we're going to send you down for three weeks so that we can have you for an extra year. No, all that needs to go away. The owners use that to manipulate the situation. I agree with players in that respect. But these players cannot act like they are being some sort of, you know, that they're uh, in this victim situation. They're in a better situation than football players are. Football players can be cut at any time. Baseball players have guaranteed contracts. For Jacoby Ellsbury with the New York Yankees, they had to pay that man every dime of that contract, even though they didn't want him on that roster after year three or probably even year one for crying out loud. He got injured first year. He was never Jacoby Ellsbury or whatever Brian Cashman thought Jacoby Ellsbury was to begin with throughout that entire contract. But this is also over more things than that. There are a bunch of owners, probably the ones that succeed and try to succeed. Why do I have to budget my salaries around this luxury tax when, when I go over this luxury tax, we're giving money to the Pittsburgh Pirates so the Baltimore Orioles, the Colorado Rockies, the Oakland A's, in the in the uh, I guess the image of we're going to give you money to spend on players, and they don't spend it on players. So you have owners like the New York Yankees that are like, why do I have to keep my budget at 280 if the Pirates aren't going to use my tax money on any players, and they're just going to tank every year for draft picks? 
So that's a big uh, thing of controversy right now because you have some owners saying, why don't we make a draft system to where the first team out of the playoffs gets the first draft pick, which this year that would have been the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that's a brilliant idea because then it forces the Baltimore Orioles to say, we're going to spend more on salary. We're going to bring players in and we're going to try and get these playoff spots and not just tank every year. Every year, man, the Pirates, the Orioles, you know they're losing 90-plus games unless they get that rare three-year window. You know, the Orioles with Machado, the Pirates have McCutcheon and Starling Marte, and those few years of success, you know, that's it for those organizations. So there's so yeah. the argument on shifts. There's the argument on playoff expansion, universal DH, pitch clock, the three-batter rule. Everything is in shambles right now for Major League Baseball, and they're not even talking. So, Mark, what, what do you even think? What's the starting point here? I think the starting point's really got to be, I mean, like, I do understand that there are players that are sick of this six-year window where they aren't, they're not getting paid because you bring out Max Scherzer, like, players like Max Scherzer and Bryce Harper, and those guys, they're the one percenters of baseball. Those yeah. are the guys getting paid max deals. You know, two hundred million plus. You know, that's just it's crazy. But then you got these guys who grind in the minors for six years. That I mean, if you just look at the Yankees roster, you got you got a bunch of players that you know are really good stars that have become stars in New York Yankees the past couple of years. That really came from not like Luke Voigt. Like Luke Voigt, obviously, right now we feel weird about him, but I mean, he came from nothing, became one of the he was the home run king for you know during the COVID season. Um, and you see, you see guys like, uh, Glaber guys, like, I can't even like name other guys from other teams right now. Cause I'm just, just like, baseball is so far off my like thought list because of how, and that's the biggest issue. Are. Like it's, 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 I'm not even thinking about baseball right now because yep. you know, there's nothing even on it. They're not talking about it. There, there's no conversation, like you said, and it's disgusting to see that, but I think the starting point has to be, you know, get maybe lower that window down to three years, that three-year window, if it'd be nice to, you know, after three years, you get paid, you get a better contract. You're not having to do with arbitration much. But um, other than that, I mean, I think we all really agree with other issues in baseball, like the DH. There needs to be a universal DH. No one wants to see pitchers hit anymore. I'm really sick and tired of it. Um, may, you know, pitch clocks, maybe. Uh, I, I don't see a problem with it because there there are problems. Nothing is really wrong with baseball other than the speed of the game, to be yeah. honest with you. I don't – like these Yankees-Red Sox teams, those are the exceptions. You know, they're four-hour ball games at some point because they're making so many changes, taking so much time between pitches. And that's that's the big viewer problem. If you're not a baseball fan, you, the big viewer problem is you don't like how long games take. And I, I understand it. So I think they got to make games more – you know, this game more appealing to fans more appealing to the players they keep wanting to you know go to the go to the facility every day and grind out you know and get better but i mean it's really no, nothing's happening right now so there's no movement happening because nothing's even allowed right and there's no trades allowed right no. now is there yeah no uh, on the baseball websites you, these rosters yeah. have silhouette faces of the players because technically yeah, they're not even, members i mean there's there's teams that you know can't even make moves right now that are pieces away like like the new york yankees like the Astros are looking to figure out how to get back in that picture to win another World Series. The Dodgers are trying to try to add another blockbuster piece, and there's no movement, so it's really bad. If, you know, before the season starts, like this is like, NFL playoff times when you start look at baseball, 
you know, you start looking at acquisitions and what's going on, what the, you know, because I mean, how far are we from pitchers and catchers reporting? We're like February 26th. Yeah, we're a month out. I mean, month and a couple of weeks. And it's just not, I don't see it happening anytime soon. So I think we're really screwed. Yeah, what about you, Jacob? Any thoughts on the uh, baseball lockout? Man, as somebody who very loosely follows baseball, of course, as you guys know, I'm a Yankees fan, but as also, as I'm also a Miami Marlins fan. And my thing, my biggest thing with baseball, my biggest issue with baseball is just how little the games really matter. And trying to get into a season that's 162 games following a team that for a large part has sucked for a very long time. The thing I wish that they would talk about and consider doing, which I know in a million years they would never do, is shortening the season. Because that COVID year, that 60-year season, that was probably, or 60-game season, to me, that was probably the most entertaining baseball season I've seen in a long time. Because every single game mattered. Every single throw mattered. These guys weren't standing on first base having just a casual talk with their buddies because you know you're going to see them tomorrow night and like that game is going to probably not matter too. When you follow these teams like the Orioles, the Pirates, the Marlins, who have large parts sucked, their fans are just stuck in limbo having to force me to to wait another whole 162-game season. That's not going to mean anything. So I wish that's something they would talk about. I know baseball diehards would just choke just hearing me even bring that up because, you know, I'd say baseball diehards would even argue for more games, but I, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, it, there's baseball. It's a shame that it's a sport that has come down to like every single conversation about the sport seems now, what are they doing wrong? What are the, what are mm-hmm. the umpires doing? The communication between the umpires and the teams and the fans, um, the universal DH, there's so many problems that arise in baseball seems like on a weekly basis that that's what gets the, the talking point we don't get to st- t- start talking about our the the stars of the sport as much as you know football does as much as basketball does because they have their issues figured out football saw there was an issue with the catch the catch rule immediately took care of it um basketball has taken taken care of uh, their their issues much better than baseball has where, where baseball they just drag out for years and years and you have these old owners who aren't really in tune with what these what mm-hmm. younger viewers really want. So the, the issues drag out over a long period of time and never get uh, dealt with. And here we are with a lockout that seemingly has no end. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, as a baseball guy, I mean, I love the 162. I love being able for six months to say I can turn on a Yankee game at 705, you know, every night. It's like, this is just the way I've rate. But for new fans, I, you know, that's, that's definitely a thing that, you know, you go to 60 games and you're like, wow, this is really fun. Every game matters. You know, but it is that baseball traditionalist view that, oh, we need 162. It's the tradition, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, you're right. The owners are never going to say, yeah, let's take down our profits and, you know, let's take 100 games of of ticket sales and throw it out the window. They're never going to do that. But it also is a thing where you're not going to get many people that are kind of light baseball fans to follow over six months every day, every little news story. It is a lot. And uh, as far as the pitch clock goes, uh, before this Zoom call goes out and we recall, but in the time that three major league, excuse me, in the time that three pitches go by in the minor leagues, one happens in the major leagues. So say you're in an 0-1 count in, in the major leagues, there's already been strike one, strike two, strike three that's happened in a minor league game with their pitch clock situation. So for me, it's like I'm wasting minutes off my life watching guys fuck around with their glove, you know? So to me, it's like, let's end that. I'm fine with the pitch clock at the very end. Yeah. So uh, we got cut off there maybe a little bit, but yeah, you, you really are taking time off of actual people's lives 
when guys are messing with their batting gloves, when they're walking around the mound, when they're popping their bubble gum, when they're having a conversation with the third base coach, that that's time. And that adds minutes to the game, obviously. And we have proof of it. So I I'd love the pitch clock. That'll be great. I'd love to see them ban shifts just to make all the analytical GMs have an aneurysm. Oh no, we, we can't uh, use our numbers to accurately put players in the exact position to catch a ball anymore. Oh crap. More offense. No, uh, it's just, you know, and, and I guess that yeah. can segue us into, and this is where maybe a lot of people will tune off, but we're about to go into our team part of this podcast where we're all Yankees fans. I'm not a dolphin fan, but you guys are. So we're going to have a little dolphins part as well. But we talk about the Yankees here because their obsession and, and particularly Brian Cashman's obsession uh, with analytics is dooming the Yankee franchise. And this is, you know, especially the case in the last two years. And, and a lot of people come up to me and they say, and, and particularly CJ Yuri um, has come up to me multiple times saying this. Uh, oh, I thought you guys said you're the best team ever going into 2021. Wasn't this the best roster with top 10 guys at every position? You know what? I'll cop to that. I was one of those fans who was like, this team's the best ever. Look at every position. You could go one through nine in this lineup, blah, 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 blah. But if you actually look at what Brian Cashman has essentially brainwashed the Yankee franchise fans into believing is Gio Urshela is a top 10 third base. Actually, he's not, Okay. <laughs> Gio Urshela came into this Yankees organization. He said specifically he came there because he saw other players that were career minor leaguers. They come to the Yankees, they repair their career. He's like, oh, I want to do that. So what the Yankees did was they're like, oh, well, we, we're going to improve his exit velo. We're going to repair his launch angle. And that's what they did with Gio. And he started lifting the ball more and he hit for average more and blah, blah, blah. That was a good little year and a half run. Last year, he was a decent baseball player. His defense is severely overrated. And Brian Cashman has kind of brainwashed us into believing, no, the analytics support him because he lifts the ball. He has a good walk rate, blah, blah, blah. You got other players on the Yankee roster. Aaron Hicks, for example. We love Aaron oh, Hicks. Girl. 230 oh, yeah. average. But you know what, though? He gets on base at a 380 clip. We love Aaron Hicks, right? Luke Voigt, why did they like him? They made the trade to the St. Louis Cardinals because they liked his launch angle. They liked his exit velocity. What has that done for this New York? Listen, Luke Voigt's a good player. He doesn't fit with this team. I said this two years ago now at Owl Radio. This is before 2020. I said the Yankees need to trade one of their right-handed sluggers because you can't have a, a, a lineup that's completely right-handed. I don't care what the numbers say. You can have a 148 weighted drunk creative plus and I don't care because you're right. You have to get rid of one of the righties and look what happened in 2021. Brian Cashman's big declaration that they didn't need a lefty batter, that they would be fine. It wasn't fine, man. Everyone on this team has been only analytics. And, and this just actually happened with the firing of Phil Nevin, the third base coach. And I know I'm going into a bit of a ramp, but it's kind of explaining the whole situation here. Uh, Phil Nevin was just fired off the Yankees coaching staff. And the rumor is, is that it was because he was anti-analytic. And this is, this is kind of the news going around. Michael Kay, Yankees play-by-play -play broadcaster, he challenged Aaron Boone in a press conference. He said, Aaron, if you, are, if you were brought back, why didn't you say, I want to come back with Phil Nevin? And Aaron Boone basically said, that it was an argument that he thought that he was going to lose. He didn't want to have the argument to keep Phil Nevin. 
Well, if Brian Cashman is saying that if Aaron Boone was on the open market and he would be the number one free agent manager, then I would feel it would be in Aaron Boone's power to be able to say, I'm not coming back without Phil Nevin. So Michael Kay is basically speculating that Phil Nevin is anti-analytic and this is why he wasn't brought back on the Yankee staff. Not because Aaron Boone got thrown, excuse me, Aaron Judge got thrown out at home plate in the wild card game, but because he was the guy in the clubhouse that would say, guys, can we get off the numbers here a little bit? And, and that scares me as a Yankee fan. And, and, and one more point I'm going to make about this is that with Gary Sanchez specifically, and this is a guy that when he started with this team, he was great. In his first 672 major league at-bats, he hit 284. Ever since then, it's been hit for power, hit the ball hard. We only want to hit Bard, hit it in the air. He has hit 201 since 2018. So this brand new Yankee philosophy of let's hit 220 with 200 strikeouts and a 380 on base percentage, it doesn't work. The team doesn't win in the postseason. It doesn't work. And I do not want to go into another season saying I want a 380 on base center fielder. I want Joey Gallo that's going to hit 159 as a Yankee with a 400 on base. I don't care. I don't care if we're going to keep this guy so that he hits 35 balls out as a home run. That's not what you have a ball player for. You're basically having Joey Gallo on the team so that he can angle his bat up and hit 35 pitches out a year. You're literally saying that this guy's value is around 35 pitches and walks. That is not a baseball player. That is a guy who angles his bat up and hopes that it pops out of the short porch Yankee stadium. So you're going to have a center fielder. That's like this. You're going to have a second baseman that I don't care. Move off the guy. He's not a good baseball player. Now I get it. Everyone's like, Oh, he's got five years of potential, all this stuff, trade him, put him in a Matt Olson package and get yes. some of the value. DJ LeMay, you always this magical guy. The Yankees are saying, Oh, he's getting this core surgery. This is going to fix him. He was never a consistent 330 hitter before the Yankees. He had a nice year and a half run stretch and they gave him a $90 million contract. So I could keep going and going about this analytical approach, but bottom line, my thesis is 350, 380 on base percentage, low average home runs doesn't win baseball games, period. That was 162 of them. You're hundred percent right. I mean, what do you think, Mar? I mean, you, you know, we're, we're watching, we used to do strictly Yankees, you know, ranting, and then we just stopped because we were too pissed off. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, I'm very, like, they, our listeners cannot hear me, see me, but I'm very visibly frustrated just by your whole rant because it just makes me think about the fucking Yankees and all they do is piss me off. Um, no, I 100% agree with you that they have been on the numbers the past two seasons and it has gotten them nowhere. I mean, we, so we this team's done more with less talent and a better manager in 2017. We're a game away from the World Series with Joe Girardi and the young baby Yankees. I mean, the baby, the baby Bombers. That's what they were. We were a game away from the World Series, arguably should have went, lost to the cheating-ass Astros. Um... I mean, there's really nothing you said. You really said it all. I mean, it's just nasty. Phil Nevin could have seen the door either way, to be honest with you. For me, I don't care that if he, if he was looking for the analytics to, to go away. Yeah. But he was just a shit third base coach. And you could see that when, you know, he – I mean, if you, if you look at the numbers, you could tell he wasn't a numbers guy because 
he was sending guys like the way he was. I mean, those are not, you know, you're not sending guys. That's just a, it's a gut feeling he's doing. And he was completely wrong about it. So, I mean, I think he needed to go either way. But the Yankees, the Yankees have a lot to do, and they have no offseason now to do it. And it, it's, it worries me because they got to figure that infield out, what they're doing, if they're getting, bringing Anthony Rizzo back. I actually just texted Anthony Rizzo's best friend, who, who also works for marketing for the Yankees, to see if there was any talks before, you know, um, all shit broke loose. So um, I'm waiting for a text back for that. So I would love to see Anthony Rizzo on the team. I think he's a guy who hits the ball well. Um, he's a lefty bat. We desperately need him. He's veteran leadership. You could trade Luke Voigt in a packet. I mean, but if you're getting Anderson, you don't need – or Olsen, not Anderson. Matt Olsen would be huge. I would love that trade. Uh, and you, Anthony Rizzo would still have a place on this roster with the DH spot. So, I don't know about I mean, that. I, I think they would. I don't think they bring back Rizzo if they have Olsen because Stanton. Yeah. They're, they're going to keep a DH with, as far as we yeah, know now, because they I still mean, have Gallo. But I mean, we know. The, I think Rizzo is you know, is not going to get a crazy contract anywhere. So I think he'll get a nice. I think the Yankees could pay him off a nice, you know, nice penny to stay there. So yeah, yeah I would I like think, to see him back. I thought he was very you know positive for us. I thought he was again a great lefty at bat, you know, veteran. So I would like to see him back with the Yankees. I feel like he's a Yankee at heart. Um, you love to trade Glaber Torres, and you know what? I'm with you. To be honest with you, I need, I need, I need change, and something needs to happen. Um, whether it's Glaber, whether it's you know Void, whether it's I mean, Rochelle can see the fucking door. He's a great, he's a great third baseman for what we need, but he can't hit the ball as much as what we need, really, offensive wise. Um, and pitching. I mean, pitching is king right now. We need pitching. We thought we were going to have one of the best, you know, starting five rotation in, in baseball and healthy. We might have one of those, but we didn't. And I think they are another ace away. I think they're, you know, a couple pieces in the bullpen away still. There's a lot of holes in this team. And, you know, it's, we really have no time to do it now. So it sucks. Yeah. And I, I think there's, you know, when, when everything comes back, there's going to be probably another flurry because guys are going to be looking to sign right before spring training because Correa is still out there. A lot of guys like that. I'm not interested in the Correa thing. There's this swath Great of Yankee Turner. fandom that really wants Carlos Correa, and they Great they Turner. attack you if you don't want him. I said, everyone's like, "How do you?" I tweeted out, "I was like, uh, I don't want Carl." I said something along the line of, "Don't bring back Carlos Correa, or don't bring in Carlos Correa. He's a toxic personality." And everyone's like, mm. "How do you know he's a toxic player? Are you kidding me? The, the the Yankees hate this guy. He cheated and and went to win a World Series." and beat them to do it. You think Aaron Judge is just going to shake this guy's hand? And, yeah, and then he was an asshole about it. Not right. even the fact – yeah, it wasn't like he was like, all oh, my, like, we're apologizing. He was an asshole about it. So right. I, I really don't understand. No, give me Trey Turner and, and Trevor Story and see you later. Yeah, like Trey Turner – Trade <laughs> if they don't get Story this offseason, which that would be my move because I know a lot of people are like, that's settling. To me, it's not because you could put Story at shortstop for two years – wait for the Volpe kid to develop and put him at short and then story plays center field. So you can put center. Him, you wouldn't move him a third. What was that? Why not third. You can move him there too. Right. I mean, the, he's versatile. So yeah. that's why I like story. You can move him multiple different spots, right? Jason Dominguez comes up in a few years. He's the center mm-hmm. fielder. So um, that would be my, I mean, my off season plan would be trade Glaber. And, and this is not pulling it out of my ass. Jim Bowden, a former GM said, the A's would most likely take a package 
revolving around Voight and Glaber for Matt Olson. So if it were me, do it because Voight is mm-hmm. in your lineup anyway, and you need a spot to put DJ LeMayhew. So if you trade those guys, you put Olsen at first, LeMayhew goes to his natural position at second, you sign Story for shortstop, and then third base, would I be okay with Gio in that scenario? I, I wouldn't really. I, I, I mean, to me, the Yankees are all – I mean, all these reporters are like, this was the offseason. The Yankees don't have the luxury tax problem. They're going to go all out on money. Why not bring in Chris Bryant for third base? That's what I would do. I mean, th- they could go so many different ways. I would get rid of Gallo. That doesn't really seem feasible. Center field's a hole. And then you look at the rotation. Mm-hmm. After Cole, who in of himself is suspect, ever since the sticky stuff came out, he was not a good pitcher, and then he blew up in the wild card game. After him, Severino hasn't pitched in three years. Montgomery's not a number two. Tyone's out until out. May. Who are you going to put in? The rookies, Luis Medina and Luis Heal? You can't count on them in the playoffs. Are you going to go sign a starting pitcher too? This team has holes all over the place, and you really have to pull off some fantasy baseball to fix it up. What do, what do you think, Jacob? It's a lot of moves you got to make in a very short period of time, and it, it is pretty much the worst-case scenario to have this lockout comment at the time it did because the Yankees were in part were ready to put off a hopefully pull off a, a pretty big offseason bringing in whether it be Story, Trevor, uh, making a trade for Olsen. So they had the pieces in play. They had, like you said, luxury tax. Uh, didn't have that issue again this offseason. So they have the op- have still have the opportunity. However, it is going to have to be crunched down in a much quicker time period, and hopefully they can pull this off because they've had they've been a lot of mixed singles coming out of the Yankees recently. Last few years, they they can't really make up their mind what they want to do with the team. And they've been really just trying to cut and pace, make it work. You know, like you said, they they want to say, oh, we can make it work with a right-handed lineup. lineup. Oh, we can't? Okay, last day of the trade deadline, let's bring in two left-handed bats. Hopefully, we can figure it out for the rest of the season. Whereas instead of just going out, making the right moves, stop trying to make it work with, you know, like you said, Glaber Torres, Gio, let, let them go. Let them go. They haven't helped the team. Luke Voigt has had a, a few nice you know, stretches of, of time in a Yankee uniform. However, if these guys didn't have pinstripes on, Nobody would really care. Nobody would really bat an eye about any of those three guys. So if you go out and go out, get some certified stars that you can put right into your lineup and help push us forward, because really, we didn't really necessarily deserve to make the playoffs last year. We had a great we had a great stretch where Stanton was just smoking the ball out of the park that really helped build us to where we were. We did not deserve to be in the playoffs. And we saw we were quickly dispatched by the Red Sox in in the wild card game. And we were never even in that game. So if you go out make the changes, bring some guys in, bring in Chris Bryant is a, is a, is a great name you can bring in. Bring in guys like steady the ship. Stop trying to make it work with these young guys you've brought up and you know, you've hoped they could work. Stop messing around. Stop doing that. Go out and spend the money that you can now go and spend and put this team in a position where you could probably win a World Series if you bring in you know, two or three of these guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, how many players has Cashman himself brought up that, that have actually succeeded, that are young prospects, that have actually come up into the big Robinson Cano and Aaron judge. I, I could I mean, not think of a single other player that was brought up, drafted by Cashman went through the system and was successful as a Yankee. I mean, I mean, Gary's pretty successful as a Yankee. No, I mean the guy, the, not, he's not, a absolutely star not. he's not absolutely a star not. player, but you don't think Gary Sanchez has had a, a successful career so far as a Yankee. For those I don't first believe two so. Years, I mean, every, 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 every I mean, we're, but we're giving Aaron Judge the, the craziest king, keys of the kingdom when they they both were hot and great at the same time. 
I mean, well, I mean, I judges they, had. I, I mean, don't know it's what not. The fuck they did. I don't know what they did to Gary Sanchez the past three years. It's not who we had, but I think he's again. I, I still think it's a stretch to say he's not been a good Yankee. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he's still. I mean, what are the catchers really have had the career he's had so far? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's fair. I mean, his, the start yeah, to his I mean, career was, I mean, one of the best starts to a career for a catcher ever. I mean, when you look at long term, you know, it's just the last three years have not no, been yeah, it. long term. Yeah, I understand. Like, I don't think he's the future, but I'm saying like he hasn't. He was. He wasn't his worst. You know, he's up right. there. He's he's a decent player. They've they've had. No, I see what you're he's saying. Better than, he's better than Glaber has been. Than, I mean, even Glaber's his 32 home run season. That's one season. You know, it, it's. You know, you have these guys that you're you're drafting, you're bringing in, you're trading for. I mean, Gary Sanchez is not Clint Frazier. <laughs> right. Like, you, know, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, that's what you're kind of putting in the same category as because Clint Frazier is one of those guys that Cashman brought in for nothing and, you know, all heard all this fucking praise about. And now and he ain't even on the team anymore. So, I mean, you know, that's just all. That's the perspective I bring it from. No way am I happy with what Gary is right now, but. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. uh, The last thing I'll say is, is I'm going to be, I'm planning on it. It's going to take a long time because I'm really like committed to this. I'm going to do a very long YouTube video going through probably every move that Brian Cashman has ever made. And I'm going to make the case as to why he's not a good general manager because he has had pure control of this team since 05, 06 he bought one championship, and other than that, it has been absolute and utter failure. And we're even getting to the point now to where it's they're kind of getting off the mission statement of if it's not a championship, it's a failure. They don't like that anymore. They, that they are kind of avoiding that, that situation because from what we're hearing, and, and this was on the Michael K show, he said, you know, the only people that could have possibly leaked this was the coaches that left. They leaked a story about Brett Gardner and Garrett Cole in the clubhouse about when the sticky stuff came out. And I laughed at this too. Brett Gardner came into the clubhouse with a cowboy hat on with pine tar slabbed all over it. And he started jumping around the room and trying to lighten up the situation surrounded by Garrett Cole and Garrett Cole had a problem with it. And they had an altercation in the dugout. A few days later, Garrett Cole had to apologize. And then another situation leaked out that before every game, Joey Gallo lays his uniform out on the ground uh, and puts it on and off multiple times until he feels yeah. like it fits right. So this is stuff that's leaked by, by the, the, the media. And so the, the, the assumption is that this stuff's being leaked out because this clubhouse is always walking on eggshells because they feel it's championship or bust. Should be. Man up, man. That's the, that's the New York Yankees. Yeah, I mean, these, these pitchers, you know, all these star pitchers are weird. I mean, I, like Trevor Bauer is the weirdest. Like, they're these are they're like tennis players, like golfers. It's it's yeah. it's really them. It's one on one game. You know, it's them themselves, and uh, it's not one. I guess it's one on one because they're playing against themselves, really too. Um, I guess, but against a pitcher too. So I mean, they're they really they're weird. They're divas. I mean, Garrett Cole, we know he's a diva. I don't care. I lo- I love the heart that comes with you know when he's pissed off on the mound. Or you know that's what that's what it is. That's what it should be. I don't. I mean, maybe he should be a little less of a bitch in the dugout or something like that in the clubhouse. If you're getting mad about a little uh, sense of humor, but I mean, they're all weird. So I don't think it's really an issue with our uh, clubhouse because the expectation should be to, to win World yeah. Series. I mean, you're, you're the New York Yankees. You're not the 
you know, the Miami Marlins, no offense. I'm, 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 I go to Marlins games. I support them, you know, they're Jeter, my boy. But, um, <laughs> I mean, they, that's not what they are. Like, they're not a team that has seen, you know, success once or twice in, you know, their whole existence. They're the most winning franchise in any sport. You know, it should be championship or bust. So. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And uh, if you actually look at it, too, and uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, so. Trying to so let's talk about the yeah I'm, I'm gonna go right in from talking about all the, the glory i've had as a yankee fan right into the misery as dolphins fan aren't i oh boy yeah yeah oh. i mean you guys can have fun with that i'm gonna kind of sit back but uh <sighs> yeah what's going on there i mean i know jacob kelly on owl radio has been very pro tua um now he's kind of in the middle it's kind of like a schmedium level uh mark's ah. kind of not you know what, what, what's what's up with tua I don't even know if it's a medium anymore. I love the guy. I think he could have been something great. Uh, I, I, I think we misevaluated. I think I misevaluated him. He is so reliant on the fact that he can throw an accurate ball. Uh, he provides nothing athletically. He provides virtually nothing downfield. So if you're, if you're hell-bent on that being your best ability, you're dealing with such slim margins. You're asking the coaching staff to throw up a perfect offensive game, which we have been able to consistently not do. We've had three offensive coordinators or two, including the, the quarterback's coach. So we have so many people in his ear, and they still haven't been able to figure out the offense to make it work. That's one. That's Brian Flores' I think, main downfall is he hasn't been able to hire somebody on the offensive side of things to make things work. And, you know, with those limitations, if you're going to have those struggles already on the coaching side of things, you need to have a quarterback who's just be able to lift his team up. And Tua has not been able to single-handedly win us any of these games. You've seen Burrow. You've seen Herbert. Uh, and other other young players, you've seen Kyler Murray go out and win games on their own because they have these athletic traits. They have the arm. Tua has none of those. And I love the kid. I wish him all the success in the world. And I think if he goes to a system like New Orleans, like I mentioned earlier, where Sean Payton has had Drew Brees, which is a quarterback, you know, doesn't have the greatest arm, isn't athletic. However, he won a Super Bowl and he became the all-time passing yards leader in the NFL at one point. So if he goes there, he probably could succeed with a good offensive line. He put good weapons around him. However, the Dolphins don't have that. We don't have a good offensive line. We don't have good weapons, and we don't have an offensive-minded coach. So if you want to try to win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to get a star quarterback that can elevate the team, elevate that offense. And with this, with this offseason, you have three guys that you could go out and potentially get. It's not like we're talking about moving on for Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield, who two guys that could be on the market this, this offseason. You're talking about moving on for Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, or Aaron Rodgers. All three of those guys could be available. And if you're me, I'm not even 50-50 on it anymore. I say ship three first-round picks, ship them a second or two, and if they ask for, you know, maybe a player like Xavier Howard or Byron Jones, I'm saying do it. Take whatever you want. I mean, just give me the quarterback. I don't care anymore. Um, Again, before we drafted Tua, going into that draft, I was anti Tua. I wasn't, you know, anti, like, I don't think he could play football. I think he could play football. I didn't think he could stay healthy. I didn't think he was big enough. Yeah, I mean, we saw against Tennessee, his hands aren't even big enough. Can't hold on to the football, hold on to the football. He's throwing it behind his head. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard because when they drafted him, I was excited. I was, you know what? The Dolphins, it's been so long since the Dolphins went and got a guy. You know, they got their quarterback. They think this is it. You know, they don't – and Ryan Tannehill was a reach. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was solid for us for, for very long. But, I mean, 
it felt different with Tua. It felt like, oh, this is like the number one guy in college. You're getting them. Like, that's that's exciting. And that first year, you know, we saw him beat Arizona in a, in a crazy shootout with Kyler Murray. And that has really been his highlight of his career. That's it in two years. And that's what worries me, especially when you have these must-win games. And he's had been bailed out by Fitzpatrick and the Fitz magic throw against in, in Vegas last season. He bailed out to have a hope of the playoffs. And then to go into Buffalo and lay an egg like he did and in a big game. And we saw it again this year. Uh, we saw we started one and seven. He's been he was injured on and off the field, which has been you know the story of his career. Um, they win seven straight games. You know he he definitely helps. He's doing he's playing comp, by playing complimentary football. He's been was able to win those seven games in a row. Defense played out of their mind. There there was Jalen Waddle went bananas. Um, but yeah, so I mean. We saw see them play Nashville, you know, Nashville. They go to Nashville to play Tennessee, and we see basically what we saw in Buffalo last year. We see him shrink in the bright lights. You know, he's getting hit. He, the the O line isn't blocking for him, and I think it's just time to move on. You know, Deshaun Watson can probably win that ball game. We've seen Deshaun Watson play behind, you know, a terrible offensive line, no weapons other than Will Fuller, ironically. Um, but yeah, I mean. We, those guys like Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, they win those ball games. They, you know, your defense is playing fine for the first half. They'll go up and put up 17 points for you in the first half and give you, give you a position to win the game. You know, um, I think it's time to move off to a, a, I don't hate the kid. I wish him all the best. I think he can be successful again with Sean, like you said, Sean Payton, you know, what he's done for even Taysom Hill's career. I think Tua is a better player than Taysom Hill. Yeah, so I think he can he'd be good there. I think he'd be good somewhere in Atlanta, maybe if they could build something with their head coach over there. But um, I don't know. Get rid of him. Send me over Russell. Send me over Aaron. Four first round picks are available. Two is available. Uh, I don't think there's many untouchable players on this roster either. So especially if you get a quarterback. So I really, I think it's time to move on. You know, you get one of those guys in, get another you know receiver, get another weapon. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I like the direction we're headed in. I just think we need a new quarterback, and that's really it. Yeah, we we absolutely do. And if you just look at the, the two sports we've just talked about, baseball, you need you need so much. You need a competent pitching staff. You need to have you need to have hitters. You need to have a coach that knows this knows how to play situationally. Football, yeah, you need those extra aspects. You need the special teams. You need the defense. But if you don't have a quarterback, what are you doing? Outside of Tennessee, who has Derrick Henry, who's just an ungodly athlete, who who are the quarterbacks for these top teams? You have the Buccaneers, you have Tom Brady, you have the Chiefs, oh. Patrick Mahomes, you have Aaron Rodgers on top of the NFC. These teams at the top have these star quarterbacks, or they also have some other stars to complement the team. Look at the Rams, who they don't care about draft picks. They no. when's the next time they're going to have a first round pick? They haven't drafted a first round pick, and I think two or three years. And they're not going to have another one for the next two or three years. So why try to hoard these picks? We saw what we did with the three first-round picks a couple years ago. It amounted to Tua, Austin Jackson, and Noah Egbenogany. Tua, you know, he's had his opportunities. Hasn't played the best. Hasn't played the worst. Okay. Austin Jackson, I don't think he's that good. And Noah Egbenogany can't even see the field. Would you trade those three players for Deshaun Watson, for Russell Wilson, for Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. And then some. So the idea that, oh, we'd be giving up on the future – well, when is the future going to be the now? At what point do you say, you know what? We can't keep saying, oh, look to the future. Eventually, you have to start winning. In a third year for a coach, for an organization, 
that is a huge tell. Third year for a quarterback is a huge tell. And I don't even think Tua is 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 deserving to get to that third year. And it's, it hurts me to say that, but we've seen it from him. We've seen him even in the winning streak. He hasn't played necessarily outstanding. Even those wins, he at least had one or two throws a game. We were like, what is it? what's he doing there? We we let the Giants stay in the game against us, which I'm, I'm, Jake, I'm sure you watched oh, that God. game. Mike yeah. Glennon played fantastic for about a quarter and then stunk the rest of the game. But we've seen what the Giants have done these last few weeks. They've absolutely laid, laid an egg and played awful. They're like 32nd in almost every offensive metric in the second half of the season. And we let them, cool. let them stay in the game. The offense couldn't do anything. We, we, I mean, yeah, part of that's the offensive line. In fact, we can't run the ball. However, as a quarterback, there's got to be certain points in, where in, in games and in your career where you're saying, you know what, nothing's working around me. I need to step up and deliver. And you know what? He hasn't necessarily made like a bunch of bad throws, and he's but he's not oh. made a bunch of great throws. He's made a bunch of serviceable throws. He's made like a eight yard out route. I mean, look like at I- look at the Bengals, right? I mean, you, you, when he was drafted, they had nothing either. They had a they had a young yeah. head coach. They had no offensive line. That's why he tore his uh, meniscus or ACL, or whatever he tore, because they didn't have an offensive yeah. line. So they didn't have a defense either. And now all of a sudden, look where they are, and it's mainly because of Joe Burrow. Yeah, and, and yeah. You heard, we heard Colin Coward just say, like, oh, Joe Burrow should be MVP, and I can't necessarily argue against that. I would say it's still Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, they got Joe Burrow. Yeah. They have them three wide receivers, but they don't have a defense. They don't have an offensive line. They just won their division. Yeah. What, what does Tua have? Tua has a great defense. You know, we got him Jalen Waddle. We tried to get him Will Fuller. That didn't work out. He has Devontae Parker. He has Mike Kosicki. The offensive line stinks. But Mike Kosicki. You, you can't rely on everything to be perfect. <laughs> Mike Gusecki's guy, guy's gonna walk because they don't throw in the goddamn football. Now he's gonna get the franchise tag. He's 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 not leaving. Don't worry. They better not franchise tag the kid. He's gonna get he's gonna get franchise. I tags. don't want the franchise tag just to not throw the ball again. Give him the money. Give him his money and get an offensive coordinator in there, in there that utilizes Mike Gusecki's talents. Hey, you could always take Jason Garrett from the Giants. You know that we fired. Oh, him. fuck! Get out of here with that shit. I'd like to maybe give Joe Brady a second shot in the NFL. He was absolutely outstanding with LSU. He went on to the Panthers, and it was an absolute shit show. However, how much of that is his fault versus the fact that he was dealing with Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newt? That was absolutely terrible. So I don't know how much of that's on him. You bring him in. You bring Deshaun Watson in. I know they also have the quarterback's coach there in Carolina. I don't or I think the new quarterback's coach there in Carolina has had some work with Deshaun Watson in the past. Bring him in. Bring Bring literally anybody in other than George Godsey, whoever else is in that offensive meeting room that they can't decide what's going on. Uh, Get these guys out of here. Bring in somebody who's competent, just competent on the offensive side of the field. And I think and bring in that quarterback. And if you just get some, put some glue around the outsides, get another receiver, get another offensive lineman and keep that defense, re-sign Emmanuel Ogba, that's a team that has zero excuse to make, to not make the playoffs next season. Yeah, I, I just that, wish you know you guys had a, a hardworking football team like the New York Giants. Uh, <laughs> they work hard, man. Those laps, those laps really amount to talent. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just a quick thing on the Giants. It's just go for it. Right. Yeah, I it's it. it's just it. uh, you know, as a Giants fan, it's been ten years. Obviously, it's not as bad because it's coming off a Super Bowl win and you know all that, but. Ever since then, it's been an absolute, I mean, just terrible for this team. The one time they make the playoffs, it's a joke. And listen, they took too long to move off Eli Manning. 
They basically went to Eli Manning Jr., except he could run a little bit, and Daniel Jones. Uh, there are so many Giants fans that are for It's kind of a similar thing to the Tua thing, where there's a half the Giants fan base loves Daniel Jones, half of it doesn't. I'm one of them. I really don't like the guy. I don't think he's a guy that's going to lead you to the playoffs and win you games in the playoffs. Maybe he's a regular season guy that can get you there, maybe. But I said at the beginning of this season, if you give this guy Saquon Barkley back, which, by the way, now looking back on it, was not worth the draft pick. This guy has not been a good player since he got injured the first time. What was it now? Two or three years ago. So this year he has played a lot of games. You have not heard his name basically at all. Um, I mean, he has not been talked about as one of the top running backs. Even two years ago, we're talking about is Saquon better than Zeke? Zeke's been declining, blah, blah, blah. And Saquon just hasn't done anything. You, you give Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, you give him Sterling Shepard and Slayton and Evan Ingram, who I don't think he's a Pro Bowl tight end, but he was last year. And you upgrade the defense a little bit. And now Joe Judge is claiming that he loves how it's going. He loves the hard work and the dedication and blah, 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 and the blah, blah, blah. I mean, the first time I saw Joe Judge do a press conference, the first thing I thought of was how does any NFL veteran respect this guy off the bat? Because the first time I saw him, it's like he's a stereotypical movie football head coach. It's, it's, the, it's the brand lines. It's the, you know, I want you to wake up every day, 7 a.m., get prepared, eat your meals. You know, uh, we want you prepared for practice. You know, get in there on Sunday, play hard. He's a wannabe. He's so transparent. Dave Gettleman's a joke as a GM. Uh, he's had years now to do this as an organization, and they haven't gotten anywhere. They've actually gotten worse. Uh, so I feel like the Giants, they might even be worse off than the Jets because at least they have a competent head coach in Robert yes. Schilla. Zach Wilson's looked pretty decent the last few weeks, and I, I would actually trust Robert Schilla to build something. I don't think Joe Judge can build anything. I don't think he can rile up anybody. And it would be an absolute shame. The trades are saying they're keeping Judge, they're keeping Jones. I, I don't yeah, even if know. I, if watch. I were you guys, if I were you guys, I would clear house. I'd clear out Gettleman. I'd clear out Daniel Jones. I'd clear out Joe Judge. Yep. All three of those guys haven't done a good enough job. Gettleman so, yeah. has had what one good draft pick with Aziz Ojalari recently. Uh, trading back, uh, getting Tony. Yeah, it was okay. However, you know he hasn't no. done enough to build up this team. No. He's had he's had multiple seasons to do so, and he has done absolutely and nothing. He's been injured. Yeah, exactly. Yes. From, and yeah. Kenny Galladay, yeah. same. Like you, you give out big money to Kenny Galladay, give him a lot of guaranteed money, and he's a, he's a great player. However, I mean, you don't have a quarterback throwing to him. Try to get go yeah. out and get a better quarterback. And you know, last off season, Russell Wilson said he was interested in going to you guys, and you had a terrible offensive line then. You still have a terrible offensive line. If he still wants to go to you guys, I'm giving Seattle whatever they want. And then dude, you, wife you loves get him York, in. man. Everybody yeah, loves New York, of course. Dude, dude. I mean, I would give up every all 53 men and probably every pick in the Giants <laughs> for that fucker, Russell fucking Wilson. I'm, I'm with you, man. Right. No, He's never absolutely. had a good offensive line anyways. I mean, when I but, saw Kenny Galladay sign with the Giants, though, I was like, oh, my God, that is such a Jeff Ireland signing that is a Miami Dolphins Joe Philbin era signing pay Kenny Kenny Galladay all that money and have no one to get in the football and he's never been healthy I I mean dude that was that was the Mike Wallace signing that's what that was in my head I laughed at it so hard no it was bad man And, and like this was a guy who in Detroit he was great with Stafford and and I was clinging on as a Giants fan to the two stats they were like Kenny Galladay was the best receiver in football on deep passes. 
And somehow last year, Daniel Jones was the best thrower on deep passes. So I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Number one, number one, we've got something. <laughs> uh, and then it all goes to shit. How naive, how naive. I know. Yeah, Dan, uh, Dan, if Dan Jones could be consistent, <laughs> he could be a good quarterback because he has the physical tools. So he can get outside of the pocket. He can throw the ball deep. But yeah. man, he just looks so scared back there. And now he's having the injury issues that he's had this season. I, I would definitely move off him. He hasn't had necessarily the best situation. hasn't had the best coach. hasn't had the best offensive line. But you clearly need a lot better, especially with the shortcomings on the rest of the team. You can go out and get a quarterback, replace your current GM, replace your coach, start fresh with a star quarterback. That's a, a huge breath of fresh air for you guys that can really just push you in the right, in the right direction. Because the NFL is better when the Giants are better and the NFC is NFC East yeah. as, a, as a whole is more entertaining and more competitive. So you go out and get Russell Wilson as your starting point. That's a hell of a start for you guys. Yeah, man. I mean, the Giants could probably win that division with Matt Ryan. Yeah. They probably don't even need to go get one of those guys. They could probably clear house, get a, get a coach and a GM there to know what the hell they're doing. Bring in a guy like Matt Ryan or uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo can win games and probably win that division. The Cowboys never want to win it. Uh, the Eagles are dark. They're the Eagles and the, the the Washington football team is also without a quarterback. So, I mean, the giants have enough like on offensively weapon wise to probably win that division with a veteran quarterback and a decent offensive line. Yeah. But there is no confidence in the GM. There's no confidence in the head coaching role. And like, how much dirt does Dave Gettleman have on the Mara family? They have to have been, he has to know, <laughs> he has to have the flight records if they were on Jeffrey <laughs> because this is unbelievable. I've never seen such a fall from grace than what Mara has done to this franchise since winning that second Super Bowl. I think that's the perfect place to end it right there. That, that is the, yeah, that's, awesome. that's, that's the quote of the century there. Yes. Jesus. Oh my goodness. All right. Hey. Me off. We talked a lot. We got it. We got a lot off our, off our chat. I said, you know, I haven't done a podcast in so long. We have to come back by complaining. That's the way to do it. You got to get it all <laughs> off the chest, all out there. The rest of the pods will be more normal in that sense. Uh, I definitely, we're going to get into hockey because hockey season's on. And to me, this is one of the best NHL seasons in a long freaking time. I mean, I'm a Ranger fan. Maybe it's because we're doing well. You're Panther fans uh, and they're doing well. But it, it is so, it's so like nice. The NHL is like a breath of fresh air. The ESPN, TNT, it's getting more popular because of that. Yeah. It's really great to see. So next podcast, we're going to be doing hockey stuff, NFL playoffs. And then quickly, I don't know if we're going to do a pod before the national championship, but Ooh. Georgia or Bama? Bama. Bama, unfortunately. Bama, man. George is going to choke again. I got, it's sad. I got one thing that Aaron, Aaron, if you're watching this, if you're listening somehow, Aaron Rodgers, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> we don't care if you're vaccinated or not here in down, down in Florida. So uh, you can come by, vaccinated or not, and uh, lead us to the Super Bowl. That's all matters, you know? We got Jalen Waddle. We got enough money to bring in your boy, Devontae Adams. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. It's sunny down here. Good, good homes. Good homes. You retire nice. Not got to pull no the Tom winter. Brady, man. Drink, come. Don't worry. We will see. I'll go we pick you up see. in the airport myself, buddy. <laughs> All righty, man. So uh, we had a fun podcast here today. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, a bunch of other platforms as well at Strictly Sports Productions. You can follow me on Twitter at Strictly Sports P. I'll link Jacob and Mark's Twitter in the description below. 
because uh, I don't have them memorized verbatim. And then our Instagram is at Strictly Sports Production, same thing as the Facebook. And uh, yeah, we're going to be a lot more active. I've got five months before I go out to Forest City. So I got time, man. We're gonna